Hello and welcome back to the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. I'm your host, Evan Newfield. Today and for the rest of summer here, we're going to be starting a summer series where I'll have more frequent but shorter episodes on the topics of investing smarter and reducing taxes. So joining me on this first episode of this new series is Stephen Gunther. You've seen him before on some of my other episodes on RESPs and credit cards. And we're going to be trying something a little bit different here, but we're going to be talking about risk today. Thanks for having me back, Evan. Always a fun time when we get to chat. Yes, especially about risk. Yeah, it's stimulating material. <laughs> Absolutely. Okay, so when you think about investment risk in particular, what are some of the things that you think about? Or how should people think about risk? I guess the starting point is how do you measure risk? And I think the standard answer is something called volatility, which is a pretty rough measuring stick at best. But what volatility speaks to is basically the the changes in prices of an asset over both the, the intensity or the, what's the word? The word I'm looking for. It's just how far it's moving in any direction. And then over what? Over a period, period of time. Yeah, it depends on what you want to look at. So not to bring everybody back to stats class here, but the metric that you can look at is something called standard deviation. So if you have an average over a period of time, the larger the standard deviation, the wider those gaps between what you could expect year to year would be. Yeah. So, I mean, that's it's an interesting point because naturally when you're investing, you want upward volatility. Do right. investments I, to go up? If I have an average fast. of 6%, I'd love to get 25 every year. Yeah. So- there's different ways of looking at it, but a better way of looking at it is looking at downside volatility on its own and stripping out the upside volatility, which we want. Because if you look at just volatility in a general sense, just changes in price over a certain amount of time, then you're really not capturing what the risk of the investment is. You're just looking at changes in that price. So downside volatility will give you a better indication of how risky an investment may be. Right. And I guess when we're talking about risk here, we're generally using the concept of risk as it relates to a diversified portfolio. So they're using things like mutual funds and ETFs. But if you're investing in individual stocks, you always have that risk of a permanent loss of capital forever. That stock could go to zero. That's a probably another way of thinking about it in a more realistic sense, because yes, volatility is going to happen in any type of market-based investment. But at the end of the day, when you sell it, is really what determines your outcome. So if you sell it when it's up, you're going to make money. If you sell it when it's down, you've lost money based on your original principle you've invested. But yeah, if you're looking at individual securities, certainly bankruptcy is a potential thing, which would mean that you're getting cents on the dollar or possibly nothing on the dollar for when it comes to your principal. And that is, of course, true risk, losing your money. Volatility, in a sense, is is just changes in your money. It's not losing of your money. So now when people talk about risk, the other side of the coin is always return. So risk and return, risk and reward. How does that relationship work over time? Well, if you think about what risk is, naturally, if you're going to take a risk, let's say in a small business, you're going to open a business, you're going to take a risk, you're putting some of your own money at play. You're hoping to generate some sort of return on your original investment in that business, in that idea. So for someone who isn't going to take that leap, and has their money, let's say, in safe places like their house or in a savings account, naturally, you're not going to see a huge return on that. But you get the security that comes with having it in a very safe asset. Whereas if you think about like a small business or when you invest, you're taking on the unknown. 
And the unknown in itself requires some level of return over and above what we call maybe a risk-free rate. Because otherwise, why would anybody take any risk at all if you could do just as well in a savings account that's guaranteed? So naturally, for anybody to invest in anything, there has to be a reasonable expectation of a return higher than the risk-free rate. And so the more risk or the more out there maybe your idea is, the higher you need of a potential reward for it to be a good decision. And so that's a relationship that's at play in all asset classes, in all decisions really, especially when it comes to investing. I think the key word that you mentioned there was potential return because people think risk and reward, but there's always the risk component. And the risk is you could still lose it or it could decrease in value. That's the risk component. But you'd hope that depending on what it is, it should have the potential to increase over a longer period of time. So when I've often thought about risk, risk is the chance that there's a short-term disappointment in exchange for potential long-term gain or growth or profit. I don't know if that's the, the best way to look at it all the time, but when you increase your risk, it doesn't always immediately reflect in increased immediate reward. Just opens the gate to a potentially higher or better outcome. I wanted to use an analogy. Maybe some of the listeners will know about like what a venture capital fund is. And effectively, what that is, is you take a bunch of money, you pool a bunch of money, and you might invest in, I'll use tech technology companies in the Silicon Valley, for example. Venture capital firm will take a, po- a pooled amount of investor money, and they'll find 10 good ideas in the Silicon Valley. What do we think of this like Shark Tank or Dragon's yeah, Den let's, almost? Let's, yeah, so you've got 10 ideas on Dragon's Den, but yeah. you know this is, would be outside of the reality TV world. And they know that a bunch of those ideas are going to fail. But they also know that one or two of them may do really well, like a thousand percent on their money. And the other ones may go to nothing. What they're doing there is they're taking on risk in the sense of they're investing in a bunch of ideas that in all likelihood will fail, but with the potential for a huge, huge winner within that group of 10. And so that's a, it's a way of thinking about risk in the sense that they know that there is always the chance for failure and they may even expect it, but with high risk also comes high reward. They might pick the next Microsoft of that 10 group, in which case the, the gain from that will outpace the, the eight or nine losses they, that went to zero in that same, same time period. Right. They're not investing, assuming that every single one of those is going to be a home run. That's just the price of admission. So how do we understand risk in our own portfolios, like, is there a way to know that? Like, we, we talked about that standard deviation thing. Like, we can actually find a number. But in my mind, when you're looking at your own portfolio and assessing your risk, the easiest way to do that is to measure your own feelings when the market moves. If the market is going up and you're having the best day of your life and the market goes down, you're having the worst day of your life, you might not have a very high risk tolerance necessarily. Would you agree with that? Yeah. Your emotions play into a lot of your decision-making naturally. We'd like to think we're all rational, but naturally emotions have a component in any decision we make. And with the feelings that you, you have around market movements, give you an idea of how sensitive you are, let's say to risk. Part of it is a risk capacity component. And the other part is a risk psychology component because someone who is maybe fairly indebted, don't doesn't have a particularly stable income stream from their job. Maybe, Might need the income sooner than later. Yeah. You have a variety of factors. And so that person 
from a risk capacity standpoint, doesn't have the financial stability to be able to accept higher levels of risk, for example. But I think what you're getting as the risk psychology component, which is what about the emotion that you feel surrounding ups and downs of the market or making financial decisions and your kind of your, your demeanor when it comes to losses versus gains. And, and naturally most people have some level of what's called loss aversion where we, we feel losses at a higher rate than we feel gains. So if you, you lose $5 in a bet, it feels worse than how, how good it feels when you win that $5 bet because you've lost something. So risk tolerance is kind of a sensitivity to that those losses. So the more sensitive you are to losses or to, let's say, risk in general, the lower risk tolerance we'd say you have. And so we have to kind of pair risk tolerance as a two-parter. Do you have the capacity structurally in your finances? And then secondly, what's the, what's the mental, the emotional, the psychological components that make up how you feel about changes in prices, changes in the value of your investments over a number of different market cycles. There's another way to look at risk too. And there's a number of factors that you can control when it comes to risk, like where you're investing. And that'll be next week's episode here. But there's also things that are completely out of your control and you could feel comfortable about those different things differently, right? So I have a, an author, Morgan Housel, that I really enjoy. Stay with me here. This is a long sentence, but his view on risk is that it is things that can happen in the world that are outside of your control that have a bigger influence on outcomes than anything you did intentionally. What do you think about that? It's a mouthful, but I believe it's, <laughs> you know, it's true in its essence. Here's another one for you that's a little bit simpler. From Carl Richards, he says, risk is what's left over after you think you've thought of everything else. <laughs> so the unknown, it's uncertainty. Exactly. That's naturally what risk is. That's a synonym for risk. And uncertainty creates stress emotionally in any decision that we make. And certainly that applies to any type of investment investing that you're doing or any decision making. But the important part is to to understand yourself and understand your position. So that the decisions you make weigh risk in its appropriate way. Where it's not playing into greed, where you take on too much risk in a given decision, especially when you're coming to investing especially. And it's not playing on fear either where you're not taking enough risk to meet your you know, set objectives. That's where you have to blend the, the objective with the subjective when it comes to decision-making. What a good place to end there. That's perfect. So Stephen, to invest smarter, you have to understand what risks are present in your portfolio and how you're going to react to them at any given time. Thanks so much for joining me today. No problem. Thanks for joining me today on the Canadian Money Roadmap Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode, I'd really appreciate if you left me a review on Apple Podcasts with your biggest takeaway. If you have questions or ideas for topics you'd like me to discuss on future episodes, please reach out via my contact info in the show notes. This podcast is intended to be educational in nature, and you should always consult your financial, tax, and legal advisors before making changes to your financial plan. Any rates of return discussed are historical or hypothetical and are to be used for educational purposes only. Evan Neufeld is a qualified associate financial planner and registered investment fund advisor. Mutual funds are provided through Sterling Mutuals, Inc.